Uh, I want to take this, if you are visiting with us, I want to take this opportunity to apologize for my good buddy Paul and Patrick. Uh, they have uh, uh, made fun of me all morning long. Uh, and so if you're not, if you're new, you may not understand that. Patrick even asked me, he said, you know, I'm going to announce that your mom is placing membership today. And he said, I don't know her that well. Was, you know, would she be upset if I make fun of you a little bit? And I said, no, my mom is used to it. So uh, if, if, you do, if you're new and you don't know, I kind of dish that out quite a bit too. So my mom is used to people making fun of me. Uh, and, and, but she did. She does feel like she made the right choice of being a uh, part of this family, uh, not just because I'm here, but because of you. So we're in this, the last lesson on our series of four simple things that anyone can do that have a huge impact. And yeah, we're kind of preparing for next week and Friends Sunday and the fall and, you know, trying to bring as many people we can into this family to get them close to Jesus for his glory, not ours. Um, and, and it's been good because these four lessons, if you remember, Presley started us off with invite, you know, give an invitation to someone. Patrick then spoke about asking, so asking questions, getting to know people. And then last week I talked about serving and this week, we're talking about hospitality. Now, um, Presley, it, we, we kind of know, you know, us in the office, we're talking about things. We kind of know what's going on. And Presley, you know, realized, I think, that I was talking about hospitality this week. He's been nice all week long. And, and, and Wednesday night, he's serving ice cream to the kids and Sundays and stuff. And he's like, would you want one? I said, no, no, thank you, Presley. I, and I asked him, I said, are you just trying to get into the sermon? You know, and, and, and then Thursday morning, he brings me a Chick-fil-A sandwich. And I, I said, you're in, buddy. So you're in the sermon. Thank you. He, he really has been very hospitable this week. Uh, and I, if you get to know Presley, I don't think it was just trying to get in the sermon. I think that's his nature. But, yeah, thank you, Presley, for Chick-fil-A. But I'll expect one again this week as well. <laughs> Did you hear that? I'll expect another Chick-fil-A sandwich this week as well. You're in. All right. What is Hospitality. Hospitality synonyms are friendliness, kindness, generosity, and warmth. All right, so some of you know that my wife and I spent five years in Thailand, uh, and the Thai people are very hospitable. Uh, hospitality is not a characteristic that it's exclusive to Christians. Now, all Christians should be hospitable. That's one of the things we're going to talk about. But it's not a characteristic that is exclusive to Christians. The Thai people, primarily Buddhist, 99% of the, well, 95% of them are, are Buddhist, 4% Muslim, and less than 1% uh, believe in Jesus. But they are very hospitable people. We find this example of that it's not exclusive to Christians in Acts chapter 28. So Acts chapter 28, the first few verses, we'll skip around here a little bit. Uh, the slides are good, and, and you'll see an example of non-Christian people being very hospitable. This is after Paul's shipwreck, and they make it to shore. Once safely on shore, we found out that the island was called Malta. The islanders showed us unusual kindness. They built a fire and welcomed us, all because it was raining and cold. Next slide. There was an estate nearby that belonged to Publius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us to his home, showed, it, showed us generous hospitality for three days. They honored us in many ways, and when we were ready to sail... They furnished us with the supplies that we needed. So Paul gives a great example 
of these non-Christian people on this island of Malta and how they welcomed them. Now remember, this is a shipwreck of people. Paul's actually a prisoner on the ship. And so they are, they're strangers. And what does it say? They welcomed us. They showed unusual kindness to us. They built a fire. Publius provided for, kept them, brought them into his home. Strangers brought them into his home. And then when they left, not only did they honor them, which the Thai people are very good at honoring guests and honoring other people, then they provided for their needs as well. And that is also hospitality. They were generous, it says. So here's a great example. So our time in Thailand, I can remember two specific instances. Thai people are uh, very hospitable. Usually it's around a meal. It's around welcoming you into their home. Uh, one trip, we, we were in Bangkok, uh, but we met some people who lived outside of Bangkok or their village that they were from. They had come to Bangkok to work. The village that they were from, we went to, and they were teaching, uh, and we went as English teachers. They wanted us to come and try to help teach some of their kids. English. Thai kids all learn English in their schools, um, but they don't really speak it. They learn the grammar, they learn to read, but they don't learn to speak. So they wanted native English speakers. So we went up to this poorer part of Thailand and the northeast part of Thailand, uh, and we're kind of teaching for a weekend with these kids, showing them English. And one night, I see this car driving through a field, and it's just driving back and forth, and I just see the headlights, and it's just driving back and forth in the field. And so I talked to one of the teachers, one of the Thai teachers. I said, what's going on out here? You know, what's, and so he told me they're, they're catching grasshoppers and that they, that's one of the things that they eat. Poor part of Thailand. And I acted interested and acted amazed. And the next night he served all of us a plate of grasshoppers that looked like this. Now, uh, some in our party were a little surprised and had a hard time with it. I actually thought they tasted like asparagus. Uh, now, now, the legs, the bottom part of the legs were a little hard to get down sometimes. Uh, but I ate the whole plate, you know, and I don't really like asparagus. So, uh, <laughs> but I, I, I finished the plate because I thought that was hospitable for me to do. Uh, another trip we made to the same general part of Thailand. The, the northeast part of Thailand is poor. That, Years of drought. They used to plant rice and harvest rice. Thailand still harvests a lot of rice. It's one of the largest uh, rice growers in the country as far as exports. But, but this northeast part of Thailand with the drought, they weren't able to plant rice. So you've got farmers who don't have other skills who are just barely surviving. And I went there and visited a family. And they're poor. They know I'm not because of the color of my skin, basically. And, and I'm there, and yet they welcome me to their home, and they serve a big pot of soup. And I'm looking at that soup as we're talking and visiting, and there is everything you can imagine in the soup. I mean, everything. And, you know, and you, you see all this, and I'm thinking, I don't want to eat that. But it was the hospitable thing to me, for me to do, to, to eat some of their soup and and but but this is the idea this is it doesn't it's not about rich or poor you know sometimes we have misconceptions of hospitality and sometimes we feel like oh it's got to be just so it's got to be perfect and you know it, it's it's got to be expensive or it's got to be great food it's got to be delicious food it, and sometimes we misunderstand that and we're intimidated by that we feel like that's what hospitality is it's more showing off you than it is honoring them it's showing off your 
ability or your home or the way, you know, skills you have to present a meal. And when we think of it that way, it intimidates us. And then we begin to say, hey, I don't know this hospitality thing is my thing. And so then we don't do it at all. That's not what it's supposed to be at all. It's not entertaining. A woman named Logan Wolfram, she helps lead women's conferences. And I don't know if you, uh, if you pronounce this alum or alume. Somebody will have to help me. I never heard it said, but it was, she's in charge of these women's conferences. She said, people can entertain without being hospitable, but I don't think you can love Jesus without being hospitable. I'll let that sink in a little bit. People can entertain without being hospitable, but I don't think you can love Jesus without being hospitable. I think this hospitality thing we're talking about is not an option, all right? What does hospitality look like for the Christian? And believe it or not, the Bible does speak to this in several places. One of the places, 1 Peter chapter 4, 7 through 11, says this, the end of all things is near. Peter says the end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Verses 10 and 11. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, like we talked about last week, they should do so with the strength God provides. So then all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. Understand what's going on here. Peter is talking about the end of all things. The end is near. And then he mentions four things that he wants them to be thinking about. Praying, loving, serving, and offering hospitality. One of the four things that's important to Peter and important to share with all of the Christians when you're thinking about the end of all things, and one of those is hospitality. James Thompson uh, says that the Greek word used here for hospitality literally meant friendship with strangers. That's that idea I think that sometimes we miss. This is not just people we know or people we meet and, hey, I think I like them. This is strangers that you don't know. Friendship with strangers is the word that Peter uses here. Can you imagine how that looked like to the rest of the world? So Christians would meet people and and they're strangers and they would invite them into their homes. They would give them a meal. They would show hospitality. So no kinship, no common economic pursuits. Different nationalities, different races, but they loved each other, they welcomed each other. I can imagine that much of the non-Christian world would see Christians doing this and think, they're foolish. They are vulnerable. How can they invite people that they don't know into their home? These are not just unimportant things that Peter is filling space with. He talks about these four things earlier in his letter, before chapter 4, and then Again, one of the four things he mentions with the end in mind is hospitality. That shows us, I think, the importance of what we're talking about. Move on to Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 13. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Verses 12 and 13, rejoice in our confident hope, be patient in trouble, and keep on praying 
when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Uh, Romans 12, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. I have a lot of them. Uh, but, it, but it is, and we talked about Romans 12, verse 1 and 2 last week in serving. You know, that this is your holy sacrifice. Present your bodies and, and serving is one of the gifts in verse 7. And then later here in verse 13, he mentions hospitality. Very important. Um, <clears throat> Romans 12 commends hospitality for all members. A guy named Adolf Van Harnack wrote a book. The book was titled The Mission and Expansion of Christianity in the First Three Centuries. And he said the expansion of the early church would have been impossible without the role which hospitality played. You have business people, Christians, believers, traveling from city to city to do business. You have missionaries. You have apostles traveling from city to city to spread the word. And the Christians in those cities welcomed each other, spent time with each other, helped each other. Hey, stay with me. Hey, we'll eat meals together. Hey, we'll meet in our house to worship. And the expansion of the gospel in the early church that it says went to the ends of the earth would not have been possible if the Christians were not hospitable. Third John, uh, it's only chapter, verses 5 through 8, John commends Gaius for this. And he says, Dear friend, you are being faithful to God when you care for the traveling teachers who pass through, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church here of your loving friendship. Please continue providing for such teachers in a manner that pleases God. Next few years, a couple of verses. For they are traveling for the Lord and they accept nothing from people who are not believers. So we ourselves should support them so that we can be their partners as they teach the truth. I don't know if you've experienced this. You know, I can remember as a teen uh, and as a, you know, sponsor on youth trips where we would like, one time we traveled from Midlothian, Texas, where my mom just moved from, and we traveled all the way to uh, McMinnville, Oregon. And along the way, our youth minister, he just called churches up. Didn't know them. They didn't know us. He said, hey, can you put us up for the night? And he did. And, I mean, we did that in Colorado. We did that in Boise, Idaho. We did that in Oregon. And on the way back, we did that in Santa Cruz, I think. And then we did that in Flagstaff, Arizona, and then back. Call up the church. They don't know you. You don't know them. He had no connections with these people. Will you keep us? Sure. Um, and I would say that's good advice. Now, if anybody is traveling and you run into, that's maybe not our first thought anymore. Call up a church, all right? We're, we're supposed to be in this together. We're supposed to have that kind of community and understanding for one another, and we're supposed to do that. 1 Timothy 3.2 makes it a qualification for elders. Now, the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, and then he mentions some others. You think this isn't important? It's very important. Uh, Matthew chapter 9, 9 through 13, shows that it was kind of Jesus' custom. So as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests. And Jesus said, no, no, I'm not going to go. No, that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. In the next slide. But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? New Living Translation. Tax collectors and sinners. Scum. 
When Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy and not offer sacrifices. I think Jesus is still telling us today, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I don't know if we've learned it yet. I desire mercy, not sacrifices. Our hearts Jesus was that example. Jesus didn't have a home, and yet he went to people's home all the time. Uh, He did it here with Matthew. And it didn't matter who was there. He was going to be there, be hospitable as showing up, be hospitable with the people there, be hospitable with Matthew. Can Can I just get specific for a minute? When I was preparing this lesson, and we were actually talking about it with Patrick in this series, you know, I I was gonna do a whole lesson on just preparing a meal. For somebody and sharing meal together. I was going to do the whole lesson on that. Patrick was the one that said, you know, maybe, maybe we'll call it hospitality. And so then that opened up my mind a little bit. And I think it's important. There's a lot different ways to show hospitality, to be hospitable than just sharing a meal together. But sharing a meal together is one of the best ways. Let me add, it doesn't have to be a five-course meal. Personally, I'm fine with a 99-cent pack of eight hot dogs. I, I really am. I, and, and I know that some of you, <laughs> you know, I think the point that I'm trying to make, it's the, that meals heal. I don't have this slide, but you remember Acts 2, 42, the beginning of the church. He mentions, Luke mentions four things. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, which we talked about in Bible class this morning, and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and a prayer. Four things that the Christians were doing, and this sharing in meals was one of them. That gives you that sense of community that we want. That's the fellowship. That's the hospitality. That's the way the early church was characterized. Kyle Eidelman says, breaking bread breaks barriers. There's something about sharing a meal with someone that you can start out with an awkward conversation over the beginning of the meal or appetizers or whatever, and by the end of the meal, you're sharing your life stories. And you're talking about what's going on in each other's life. And then you're like, oh, I didn't know, I'm sorry. Or, oh, that's great. I, and I mean, there's something about sharing a meal together that does that. We need to be about that. Inviting one person or one family over for a meal, it can make a huge impact. All right, but we're focused on that and other things. We learn from our parents. We learn from other Christians. We learn from Scripture, from Jesus. Five loaves and two fish, look what he did with that. Meals with tax collectors and sinners. The bottom line, I think, is that we are to make people feel welcome. That's what hospitality is in a nutshell to me, making people feel welcome. If we don't show hospitality, um, we, we miss out. So I don't know if you have any regrets in life. I don't have too many, but I do have some. And one of my biggest regrets happened. I was in Clifton, uh, Texas. Uh, it was a Wednesday night. Uh, Bible class was over. It was just a couple of us around cleaning up, mostly talking. And a Hispanic man comes in to the building, and he says he's a preacher, and he's headed out to West Texas. Uh, I mean, he just came in off the street. I don't know how he got there. And he asked if he could stay with me for the night and then continue his travels in the morning. And my first thought was, I don't, 
I don't, this guy just came off the street. I don't know him at all. And, and you know, my wife, my daughter, I, so I said, you can stay here at the church building. Uh, and he just said, all right, do, are there some Hispanic families in town that maybe I can stay with? He, he read my answer as one of prejudice, I think, and, uh, but he, he just, and, and I was like, well, there are, but I, and he just turned and he walked out the door, and he was like on his way. And I thought about it for a minute, and I thought, you know, I, I don't. And so I, I tried to chase after after him, and, and he was, I mean, he was gone. He was on to, I think, I thought about it later, and two things, I wish I would have said yes. But the other thing, I think he was just like doing what Jesus told his disciples to do. You go, and if they welcome you into the home, then you bless the house, and, you, and if they don't, you, you know, shake the dust off your feet, and you move on. I think that was his, I think he was on a mission, and he was trusting Jesus, and I didn't really, I wasn't very hospitable, and so I think he was just, okay, I'll go find somebody who is. <laughs> uh, but I, I regret that. I don't think, I mean, just like the early church, I think the, it was odd to people who weren't Christians that the Christians did this, Yet they still did it, even with strangers. Uh, another true story, not this church. Uh, Emily began to feel unwelcomed at her own church when she reached junior high age. Uh, and it, it was because she didn't feel apart, and she didn't feel apart because she wasn't made to feel apart. It wasn't that people didn't like her, or that there was, they just, the connections were not being made, and she felt like she wasn't apart, and it, it tore up. Luckily, the youth leaders caught it, started talking with her, visited with her, said, you know, oh, I'm sorry, you know, and, and Emily became the best person at welcoming visitors and new people because she had experienced what that was like in her own life, and, and she was great at it, and, and, and the whole church, you know, that was kind of what Emily did from that point on after she got over that and, and realized, and then it made everybody that way. Uh, one of the key ingredients uh, to showing hospitality is to um, simply love others just because that's the right thing to do, just for loving sake. So we are called to love our neighbors, right? Two greatest commands. We are called to love our neighbors. And it doesn't talk about if your neighbors are good people. It doesn't say if you like your neighbors, if you get along, if you cheer for the same football team, if, you know, none of that. It, you, we are called to love our neighbors as Christians, and it doesn't matter what they do, what they think, what they believe. One illustration of this, true story, Rosaria Butterfield. She's a professor at Syracuse University, and, and she would be the person, uh, I kind of listened to her whole story. I, I will sum it up to say she would not have, have identified with Christians in any way, all right? Politically, she was total opposite of what we would think of as Christians. She wrote this article. The article got published in the paper, professor from Syracuse University. She was actually doing research on the religious right from her perspective, and she wrote this article. It got published in the paper. Uh, she got hate mail. Uh, she got some fan mail. And then she got a letter. And the letter was from a pastor and his wife saying, hey, would you come over for dinner? And she was talking about it with, Rosario was talking about it with her friends. And was like, I don't want to go over. There's no way I want to go over this pastor's 
house for dinner with his wife, you know. Uh, and her friend was like, well, it'll be good research. You know, you need to go. You got to go. So she didn't want to go. She accepted it because she said, ah, it'll be good research. It'll, you know, confirm some of what I'm saying. And I'm writing this book anyway, so I'll be able to put it in my book. So she goes. And the experience is totally different than what she thought. The family was very hospitable, very respectful, very nice. Uh, I think a key point here that she said was that she, he, they didn't try to preach the gospel to her that time. They, they were just listening and being her friend. The, the end of the story uh, is that she said the Lord provided this couple because she ended up, because of that friendship, because of that meal, a huge impact was made in her life. She became a Christian. She's married to a pastor. Uh, they're still the only Christians in, in their families, her and her husband. Uh, but it totally changed her life. An eternal impact was made through this hospitable move of this uh, one Christian couple. Uh, do you know who Horst Schultz is? I'd be surprised if you do. I didn't know. Name the recipient of the 2021 Historic Hotels of America Legacy Innovation and Inspiration Award. Uh, he is, or was, recently, he's not anymore, but very recently he was the COO of Ritz-Carlton Hotels. Started, he was born in Germany, uh, good guy, believer. Uh, he said that he would, uh, when he was starting up these Ritz-Carlton hotels everywhere, uh, he would go to a hotel, a new one, and there would be 500 to 800 employees who are going to be workers at that hotel. And he would spend 10 days in training them and talking to them. And he would start out by saying, I am Horst Schultz. I am the COO of Ritz-Carlton Hotels. And I am a very important person. And then after a few grumblings in the audience, then he would say, and so are each one of you. He kind of built the whole thing on the whole, you know, this hospitality and his belief and how important that is and that each person is, has a role in that. Each person's role is very important. It's not just him. It's not just the idea. Everyone has to show it. So it didn't matter if you were a dishwasher. It didn't matter if you were a waiter. It didn't matter if you were cleaning the rooms. And if a hotel guest came to you and said, hey, I got this problem, it didn't matter. You, didn't, you couldn't say in his training, you couldn't say, hey, that's not my job. I'm just the dishwasher, or that's not, I just clean rooms. You would stop what you were doing, and you would take care and listen to their request, and you would make sure they felt important and heard, and then you would go find somebody who would take care of it. That was part of the training. But again, a big part of this training is that every person's role is important. So no matter what job or role you have, it is important. Uh, Schultz talked about one particular example uh, when he was opening up the Ritz-Carlton in Atlanta, he uh, met this man. He was, uh, um, he was a refugee from Nairobi, Kenya. His name was Ebi, and he was one of the dishwashers. And so during this 10 days, he had met him, and, and he would you know, be walking through and doing these things. And every time he saw Ebi, Ebi would say, good morning, Mr. Schultz. You know, how are you doing today or whatever. And after a, two or three times of this, you know, Mr. Schultz is thinking, this guy's always so clean. Is he doing any work? You know, he's a dishwasher. Why? He's always looks so clean. So he went to his boss and he said, hey, is, 
is he doing any work? Is he working out? You know, and he said, he's the hardest dishwasher. He works the hardest of any of my people. He's just very, you know, prideful. And he, so he keeps himself clean. And he, he was always visiting. And he was always talking with people. Uh, lo- long story short, they wanted to make him a waiter. And so I think he became a waiter. waiter and uh, he now is the hotel manager for the Ritz-Carlton in Atlanta. Uh, the point is that whatever job you have, whether it's a dishwasher or whether it's the waiter or whatever it is, you need to be hospitable in that role. I would say what that means to us at Woodbury, it's not just Patrick's job to be hospitable. Every Sunday he's out there by the front doors greeting people when he walks in, when they walk in, right? Greeting you or greeting guests. He wants to do that. He wants to be hospitable. Every one of you is important in that. Um, If three or four people are hospitable to guests when they come in, and then 30 or 40 people walk by them and don't speak to them, what is their idea when they leave? Maybe it's good. Maybe it's not as good as it could be. Uh, Every one of us is important. This is an important thing to... Uh, and, and I don't think this is true of this congregation, but maybe there are some ways we can improve. Uh, so I'll just give you one example. Last month, uh, ministry leaders, elder staff met together, and Patrick had this piece of paper and said, rank these six things by priority. The top one was this. Build stronger community, which we're going to be talking about this fall, among our church family through attention to regular hospitality, service, and intergenerational fellowship. So there'll be more to come on this. Patrick will share it. We'll all share it. There'll be more to come. This is, but this is going to be, we're, we're going to want to focus on this as a church body, as a church family. And it's everybody's job. We, we want people to walk in here and recognize that, that we are Christians, brothers and sisters, and it doesn't matter if we meet strangers, if we don't know them, whatever. We're going to be hospitable people for this reason. So how can we improve? What can we improve? First thing we talked about, to whom should we show hospitality? Everyone. Christians, our brothers and sisters, non-Christians, guests, our neighbors, everyone. To whom should we show hospitality? Everyone. That's the first thing we need to do. Second thing, you are representing Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, so we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Do you think that message needs to be heard today? I, I do. All right, so God is making that appeal, but it's through us. It's through you and me. You are representing Jesus Christ. Number three, you don't have to be Martha Stewart or Joanna Gaines. If you don't know who those people are, I'm sorry. I don't have any excuse for you. Uh, no. It, it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be a five-course meal. You don't even have to be able to cook. You can still open up your home. You don't even have to have a home like Jesus didn't. You can still invite somebody to a restaurant. Whatever excuse you have, it's not valid. I say that with all kindness. Uh, we are all to be a, a hospitable. Um, everyone's life is a little messy. I think in America we've, we've learned, cover that up, cover up our messes, 
try to represent cleanliness, organization, you know, we're do everything, yeah, a completely unreal picture of our lives, right? Manicured lawns, it's a completely unreal picture of our lives. And then we expect that's what we got to do to have someone over. No. No, hospitality that is authentic works every time. We have this other idea and, and our doors get shut and then our neighbors don't know us. We don't know our neighbors. I loved it. I, I went over to Travis and Anna's house for something this week and, you know, their front door is wide open, you know, when I get there, when I pull up. And I, 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 I don't think they were expecting me either. I, I love that. Uh, and I think we, we've got to find ways to live that way in our community. Not shut doors, open doors. Find ways to connect. Uh, hospitality is welcome. Hospi hospitality that is authentic works every time. You can, you can serve a 99-cent pack of hot dogs, and if your hospitality is authentic, it's going to work. You're going to make the connection with people. Last thing, number four, hospitality can have a huge impact, an eternal one. Go back to what First Peter said. The end is near. In view of these last things, offer hospitality. Making all people feel welcome is your responsibility. Uh, I want to invite the praise team back up. Um, you know, these four things we say are simple that anyone can do. Now, what are we going to do them? Are we going to invite? Are we going to ask people, get to know them? Are we going to serve them in some, look for some way we can serve our neighbor? Are we going to offer hospitality to people we meet, that guests that come to each other and to our neighbors? Let's go do it. Let's, let's fill the place next week, but, but, but let's do it for this reason because it makes an eternal impact on many people.